1: In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I want to talk about the fallacy of ad populum again. If everyone believes it and it's wrong, does that make it true? This is the basic question of our time. We're dealing with this stuff every day. We're dealing with the masses running off in one direction and mocking and maligning everybody else who stands in the way and says, Wait a second, I've got a question. That's today's topic. I'm Dr. Ever Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning, and welcome to The Rebellion. Well, as I said in the introduction, today's topic is one that I covered last week. It's this topic of the minority standing against the masses. One lone voice at times standing against hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, maybe even millions. That one brave soul who steps forward at the edge of the parade and says, wait a second. That emperor is naked as a jaybird. He has no clothes. That's the story of Hans Christian Andersen's little boy on the side of the parade in the story of the emperor with no clothes. You've heard it, at least I hope you've heard it, because this is a very important fable of old that teaches us a lesson that we need to apply to today's daily news. So that's the topic. I want to deal with this fallacy of ad populum again. I'm going to do so within the context of that meme that I posted last week. Very simple graphic that shows tens of thousands of people standing shoulder to shoulder in mass, in block form, and one lone dissenter standing outside saying back to the group of the masses, to the collective, to those that are marching lockstep in agreement with whatever it is, with whatever the narrative is of their time and day. That one lone soul looking back at the crowd saying, yes, you all are wrong. Does anybody have the courage to do that today? And when we do, what happens? What happens when the dissenting voice steps forward and says, wait a second, I don't care if everybody believes this. What you're saying you believe is dead wrong. That emperor is naked as a jaybird. So, that's what I want to talk about today. Again, but I want to double down on this message that I got into a bit last week because it's so important for our time, for our day, for the way we're interacting in the public square right now. I'm Dr. Everett Piper. Let's take a break. And when I get back, we'll talk about, oh... I don't know, Galileo, Wilberforce, Bonhoeffer, Churchill, and yeah, the little boy on the side of the parade in Hans Christian Andersen's parable of the emperor with no clothes. I'll be right back in a couple
0: minutes. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one year maintenance and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, welcome back to the rebellion.
1: So, let's title the rest of today's talk, Truth Always Wins. So, there's a, there's a good ending to this story, even though, there's some depressing parts in before we get to that end. So let's repeat what I told you last week. Um, last week, I reposted a meme that somebody put out. It's a very simple graphic, a pencil drawing, if you will. It's a mass of humanity. I don't know, tens of thousands, probably. People standing shoulder to shoulder in one block, one mass of just human agreement. But there's one solitary individual in this meme standing outside of the group and he's looking back and the accompanying text on this meme says, yes, you all are wrong. That's all it says. Now, I reposted this, as you know, and I said something like this. I said, it appears that those of us who stood nearly alone on masks and jabs have been exonerated. May the same prove true on all else woke and wrong. Close quote. Now, I went a little bit further. I said, may the same prove true on all else. LGBTQIA, SJWBLMCRT, woke and wrong. In other words, as you can expect, I'm taking a poke, a jab at the rainbow lunacy of the crowd. So... I guess you probably understand my point, but let me make it very clear in case somebody listening in right now doesn't. It's really pretty simple. My point is, as Os says in the book that I've quoted to you time and time again, his book that's titled A Time for Truth, great book, go buy it. It's, I think, less than 200 pages long. It's very brief, but it's also very prescient very timely, no pun intended there. In his book, A Time for Truth, he says this, truth is true even if no one believes it, and falsehood is false even if everyone believes it. Truth is true, and that's just the end of it. Close quote, Oz Guinness. One more time, write this one down, memorize it. It's a very important quote, and it can't be refuted, really. I mean, truth is true even if no one believes it. And falsehood is false, at his faults, even if everyone believes it. Truth is true, and that's just the end of it. Close quote, Os Guinness in his little book, A Time for Truth. Or you could find other people, great leaders, who have said the same thing in their own words. For example, Adrian Rogers, great pastor of the Southern Baptist tradition. He has said this, It's better to be divided by truth than united by error. It's better to be hated for telling the truth than to be loved for telling a lie. Close quote, Adrian Watt Rogers. Now, one more time on him. It's better to be divided by truth than to be united by air. It's better to be hated for telling the truth than love for telling a lie. So you put these two statements together, and you could come up with other statements where people are, uh, leaders are telling us that truth is important that truth doesn't bow to the masses. I mean, everybody can be running off in a given direction and still be running after a lie. Truth isn't determined by popularity. Truth isn't voted on. You don't vote down truth. Just because the majority decides that a lie is the truth doesn't make that lie true. You get my point? As Osginas says one more time, truth is true even If no one believes it, and false, it is false, even if everyone believes it. And then Adrian Rogers chimes in and says essentially the same thing. In his words, it's better to be divided by truth than to be united by error. It's better to be hated for telling the truth than to be loved for telling a lie. So the bottom line is that it doesn't matter what the crowd thinks. Okay, That's what Oz Guinness and Adrian Rogers are saying here. It doesn't matter. What the masses think, what the vote is, what the crowd decides. Truth isn't determined by a majority vote. So let me give you some historical examples to kind of prove my point. History is laden with examples where the masses were wrong. Galileo, for example, stood against the masses of Europe when he said the earth revolves around the sun rather than vice versa. I talked about this last week. It's the difference between a geocentric view of the universe where everything revolved around the earth versus a heliocentric view of the universe where everything, at least our solar system, that is, revolves around the sun. Now, this was a controversial idea in Galileo's times. Now, time. Now, a lot of people, a lot of secularists will say, yeah, the church was anti-science. Well, <laughs> you know what? It wasn't just the church that held this view of a geocentric view. It was the scientists at the time. Galileo stood against the scientific establishment just as much, if not more so, than he stood against the church. Did you know that? Go back and check your history on that one. That may be a different show for a different time. But the way we have corrupted our history in telling this story, we make it sound like Galileo, stood with the scientific establishment against the church. Well, that's not true. The scientists at the time we just as opposed to Galileo as anybody in the church. But the point is, Galileo stood against the masses. He stood against the masses. And he said the earth revolves around the sun, not the sun around the earth. And did it make a difference as to what was true and what was false? Well, of course it did. The facts didn't care about the masses' feelings, to paraphrase Ben Shapiro. Another example would be Wilberforce. He stood against the masses of Great Britain. Everybody in Great Britain, at least the masses, the popular vote, the Democratic vote, the majority, believed that the slave trade was important to the economy of Great Britain, of the British Empire. But Wilberforce stood against the masses for over 20 years on the floor of the British Parliament when he said that a black man is a man. A black person is a human being. So he stood against the masses of Great Britain when he said slavery was objectively evil. Do you get my point? Galileo stood against the masses of Europe, saying that the earth revolves around the sun, rather than vice versa. Wilberforce stood against the masses of Great Britain when he said that slavery is wrong, it's objectively evil. Here's another example. Bonhoeffer, he stood against the masses of Germany when he said Hitler was wrong and Churchill was right. At the time... The democratic vote brought Hitler to power. So if the masses determine what's true, then Hitler was right. Right? I mean, that's how ludicrous it is to claim that, well, everybody says it. The group has decided what's true and what's false. Every time we lean in that direction, we've got blood on our hands. Okay. So you could go on and on. You could talk about the masses rising up. Under Diderot and Robespierre in the French Revolution, where it was said that people would only be free when the last emperor was strangled by the entrails of the last priest. So they wanted to, they wanted to destroy the monarchy and destroy the church. And by doing that, the masses would rise up and decide what was wrong and what was right. They would change the calendar. They would change the way we count and determine time. They would change everything. They would declare themselves to be as God as Robespierre eventually did, and then they will suffer the fate of their own making. They will lose their head by the very instrument they invented, the guillotine. So I think a good way to summarize all of these stories, all these historical stories, these, these th- this recounting of history that I just gave you, is to go to Hans Christian Andersen's uh, parable, the parable of the emperor with no clothes, or the emperor's new clothes. Uh, the, you know the story. The, the emperor wants the best garments in the world, so he calls in a seamstress, a tailor, to make him the most beautiful garment in all the world. Well, the emperor is addled through his own arrogance and narcissism. He can't think straight any longer. So this this tailor, along with the seamstress, basically convinced this dopey emperor that these beautiful clothes that are being made for him, which are really nothing but imagination. There are no clothes. But they convince this emperor to believe a lie, and the emperor thus goes out into a parade to show off his brand new, beautiful garments. And the emperor is wearing nothing. It's all a delusion. It, it, none of it makes any sense. And But the, the moral of the story is that the masses along the side of the parade for fear of being unpopular, for fear of running contrary to the emperor, or perhaps even for fear of contradicting what their neighbors are saying, the person right next to him, to the right and left. Everybody starts parroting this nonsense and applauding the emperor's new clothes, until one little boy on the side of the parade, who hasn't been deluded by all of this nonsense, he hasn't Imbibe the Kool Aid. He's actually thinking logically and rightly, and he recognizes truth as true and falsehood is false, and he knows what is and isn't there. He doesn't buy the party line. He actually says, Wait a second, that emperor is naked. He has no clothes. Those aren't new, they don't exist. In other words, the emperor is naked as a japer. So, what's my point? During the, fa- the past four years, The fallacy of ad populum. The the fallacy of ad populum. I've described that and defined that for you before. It's the fallacy of going along with the popular, with the populists. It's the fallacy of going along with the masses, the group. Just because the group says it, well, everybody knows. Or all scholars agree. Or all scientists say. And then fill in the blank. That's a fallacy of ad populum. If Galileo would have said that, then he never would have challenged the common narrative because the populace, the ad populum, the majority vote believed in a geocentric view of the solar system and the universe. Galileo said, no, I'm not going to go with the majority vote because the majority vote is wrong. Likewise, Bonhoeffer stood against the popular vote of Germany, even though the German people in, a, in the majority believed that Hitler was their hero rather than a, a fiend. They believed he was a saint rather than an evil man. This, this didn't matter to Bonhoeffer. He knew that what they were doing was wrong, so he said so. And he sided with Churchill over Hitler. And Wilberforce, the example, goes on and on and on. So, back to my point. Over and over again, we've seen that this fallacy of ad populum is proven itself more alive today than any of us dared believe possible. Time and time again, the minority has been silenced and anybody who's skeptical has been censored. This is cancel culture to the extreme. Canceling the dissenting voice has become the most ubiquitous story of the 24 hour news cycle. In In the few short days after the average Joe first heard about the city of Wuhan, we never heard of it before, or how many of us even heard the word, if that's what you want to call it, COVID-19? And none of us, I didn't know, I'm doubting any of you knew, unless you're a medical doctor and you had done some research in this area, who knew about mRNA technology? So before we ever heard of these terms, Wuhan, COVID-19, M-R-N-A, it, it, bef- just in a few short days after learning of these new terms to add to our vocabulary, it became virtually impossible for any of us to open up one of our favorite apps on our smartphone without seeing a public flogging of any poor soul who dared to ask a logical question. Week after week, journalists, medical doctors, statisticians, and The statesmen alike were fact-checked into social media oblivion for simply challenging the efficacy of masks or the wisdom of a drug that, by definition, was still experimental. When we said, wait a second, should you put something in your body, inject something into your body that, by definition, hasn't been around long enough to be tested? It's still experimental. And we were shut down, canceled, silenced, censored, and put into social media jail forever, just for asking a question. Every day, every day, hordes, hordes of uh, woke lemmings just rushed toward the cliffs, and woe unto anyone who dared ask, what the heck are y'all doing? The masses, the lemmings running toward the cliffs to their death, just shunned and shamed Rather than turning around and simply saying, "Thanks for warning us, thanks for telling us to stop. Again, there are other parables out there, and the reason they're out there, these fables that have endured the test of time, the Pied Piper in Hamlin, for example, playing his flute or whatever instrument he plays in whatever version of the story you've learned, you know, playing his flute and luring all of the children out of the town toward their destruction. Because of what? The fallacy of ad populum. That's the moral of that story. And the moral of the story of the little boy on the side of the parade, the emperor's new clothes. The little boy who dared to say, no, that isn't true. It's it's a fable that Hans Christian Andersen wrote to, to warn children, and warn us adults, be aware of the fallacy of ad, of ad populum. Just because the crowd wants to go along doesn't make it right, real, or true. In fact, often, often it indicates there's something wrong. We always, always should be willing to step outside of the parade, step outside of the crowd, and try to take an objective look of what's going on. This is the story of groupthink, the Bay of Pigs. This is a real historical example of people going along, (coughs) excuse me with the narrative, even though it was obvious that this isn't going to end well. This is a bad move. Hindsight's twenty twenty. We look back at it and we think, how could the people that were involved in the Bay of Pigs fiasco have been so stupid? Well, they went along with the group. So, here's the point. I think the tide may be turning. And why do I say that? Well, In the past handful of days, the last week or so alone, you've seen and I've seen more and more of those in the mainstream media, media sources that I don't trust generally, and you probably don't either, the BBC, PBS, MSNBC, CNN, etc. We're seeing more and more people break rank from the narrative within these traditional media sources, sources that heretofore shown themselves to be little more than an obedient Gestapo marching to the drumbeat of the ideological Third Reich of our time. We've seen reporters step away and do something that many of us thought was impossible. These people actually started reporting actual facts. So what's my evidence? Well, consider this. I'll give you a couple examples. CNN. This is a quote. Data suggests the possibility that the updated booster might not be any more effective at preventing COVID-19 infection than the original shots. Close quote. Well, they're showing skepticism. They're breaking rank. They're stepping outside the crowd, and they're saying data suggests that maybe the booster isn't as great as we've been told. Rasmussen. Here's a quote from them. Nearly half of Americans believe that COVID-19 vaccines probably caused significant number of unexplained deaths. While over a quarter of Americans say they personally know someone whose death may have been caused by vaccination side effects. Close quote. So Rasmussen is quoting and sharing that you got millions of Americans who are skeptical. So Rasmussen is breaking rank a little bit. They're stepping outside the crowd. They're asking a good question, rhetorically so there. Then you have the Washington Post. Here's a quote. A headline from one of their recent stories. We are overcounting COVID deaths and hospitalization. That's a problem. Close quote. That comes from the Washington Post. Then, then you have the BBC. They even featured recently a cardiologist by the name of Asim Malhotra. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. M-A-L-H-O-T-R-A. Hasim Malhotra or Hatra. This doctor was on the BBC, and he said this. He said, "We're A likely contributing factor to excess cardiovascular deaths is the COVID mRNA vaccine, and the rollout should be suspended pending an open inquiry. Close quote. The BBC is reporting that. So these aren't conservative news sources. These are the news sources that represented the narrative, the crowd, everybody marching lockstep in obedience to... Anthony Fauci or whoever else told us to ignore the reality before our eyes. That emperor is dressed in fine clothes. Thank you. That mask act- actually works and those vaccines aren't experimental. Well, now we've got the mainstream media breaking rank a bit. And and the, and here's another one. The Twitter files. Have you paid attention to the Twitter files? All right. So this proves that actual news work is being done. (laughs) This is actual news. Pfizer, a Pfizer board member, is is shown in the Twitter files to have explicitly worked with lobbyists all the way up to the White House to suppress any public debate, any breaking rank, that one individual, those three individuals, that one doctor, whoever they were, if they broke rank, he was trying to suppress any discussion, any information he didn't want people to know. This, this Pfizer board member, they were trying to suppress public debate that inferred natural immunity might be superior to the vaccine. A vaccine, by the way, that stood to make the company and this board member billions. So the Twitter files, BBC, Washington Post, Rasmussen, CNN, those are just a few examples of what's going on right now. So yes, we, we, many of us have stood alone, and we were mocked and maligned for doing so. But here is the moral to today's show. As light always shines in the darkness, okay. light always overcomes darkness. Whenever you shine a light, no matter how small, it, it reveals what could not be seen because of the darkness. Even a match, even a flicker, even a small little flashlight, It shines in the darkness. Well, the same is true for truth. Truth shines in the darkness. Truth always exposes the lies. All of a sudden, you can see. So, as light always shines in the darkness, truth always exposes the lies. And we were right about masks. There's story after story talking about the fact that masks really don't do anything. A paper mask on your face doesn't accomplish much. The the Daily Wire just came out with a re- evidence again. I mean, it's 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 not new. We've known it all along. Masks don't work. They they don't do much. It's all psychological rather than rather than real science. So we were right about masks, and we were right about the jabs. Even the BBC is featuring a cardiologist that says there's a problem here. We need to slow this train down or it's going to be a train wreck. We were right about masks. We're right about the jabs. We're right about men being men. It's biology, folks. Women being women. You can't be a feminist if you deny the female. You can't be pro-Title IX, pro women's sports, if women don't have the right to have their own sports and you're going to give them over to men. So we were right about men. Being men, we're right about women being women. We're right about the masks. We're right about the jabs. We're right about children being groomed. That's a fact. Don't let down. We're right. Stand outside the crowd and say, that's wrong. You should not be exposing children to this porn. You should not be trying to groom them and brainwash them into your sexual deviancy. And you shouldn't be butchering them actually changing and mutilating their bodies before they're old enough to even vote or buy cigarettes or buy alcohol. My land, what are you thinking to give children the, the responsibility for these adult decisions, especially after you've confused the tar out of them in your local public schools, otherwise known as propaganda mills? We're right about Black Lives Matter being little more than a neo-Marxist shill. We're right about the rainbow agenda, the alphabet soup of LGBTQIASJWCRT. We're right about this being ontologically insane, and that we it makes no sense. So, here's the moral of the story. I want you to hang tough. Hang tough. The masses were wrong then, and they're wrong now. Truth is true even if no one believes it. Falsehood is false even if everyone believes it. Truth isn't determined by vim or vigor or vote. It's just true, and that's the end of it. And in the end, truth always wins. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.